1: wherever you get your podcasts. Hey
2: everyone, I'm Anne Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, Episode 9. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, What Should I Read Next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Just go to What Should I whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. Doing that ensures you won't miss out on future episodes, so make sure you take a minute and do that. Today's guest is Lee Kramer, who is a friend, an ardent White Sox fan, and a full time book nerd. Lee and I have a great conversation about how we choose the books we read, a book she adored and I hated, and how bookworm problems are a real thing. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Lee.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay. So, anyone who knows you at all knows that you don't hesitate to claim your uber book nerd status. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about why you read and how you became a book nerd.
0: Oh, man. Uh, I think I've always been drawn to good stories. My mom read to me and my brother when we were younger, like from a very young age. And that's how I first experienced the Chronicles of Narnia and um, just all kinds of stories. And so, As soon as I could read on my own, it was a natural progression to just tear through as many books as I could. (laughs) And I learned how to speed read in third grade. And I think that uh, unleashed a monster, (laughs) 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 a monster that consumes books.
2: (laughs) Okay, here's how this works. You are going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. And I get book recommendations from you all the time, like yes. how many times did you text me last week and say, I'm reading this now, <laughs> get it. <laughs> no. um, so it'll be fun for the, I'd like to think it goes both ways, oh, so don't, totally. we'll put the shoe on the other foot now.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, let's start with so your favorites.
0: everyone eavesdrop on our, our normal conversation. <laughs> yeah, this is
2: pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Tell me three books you love. What's number one?
0: Well, I have to give the caveat that I, I'm only talking about books that I read last year. Okay. Because if I think about books that I love, that is just, uh, I mean, I, come, I came up with, I think, 12 books, fiction, 12 novels that I loved last year alone. And then I think I had 15 nonfiction that I loved last year. So
2: Bookworm problems, man. Yes. They are so, real
0: so I can't even think about in the the scope of my reading life, what are like the three that I love the most. Exactly. But from last year, uh, the first one is The Passage
2: uh-huh.
0: by Justin Cronin. Yes.
2: I love that you chose this one. Yeah. And I think you know why. <laughs> yes, I do.
0: <laughs> uh, this was not, not necessarily a normal pick for me. I was a little worried before I started reading it. Uh, I was worried that it would be too scary for me because I'm kind of a wimp. I don't read horror. Um, and and i thought that there was maybe a whiff of horror when friends would first talk about this uh-huh. but i was at a retreat in utah with some friends in october and three of them were just talking about this book and raving about it and and i was like oh okay i'm i'm going to give it a try and i'm so glad that i did it completely paid off for me i thought that it was um really rich and multilayered really hard to put down but it also had a ton of literary and religious references. It had this great commentary on a variety of social issues, um, and it's it's really hard to describe because if I say it, it's a big <laughs> I was just going to ask you to do that. People
2: are going to be like, eh, not okay, for me." So, so give it a shot. Tell us a little bit about it.
0: So there, it starts out with um, some scientists that are trying to find a cure for mortality. And it goes awry and the government gets involved and they are trying to uh, basically har- harvest this um, drug that they have nefarious purposes for. But in the, in the meantime, the six-year-old girl um, is treated with the drug and um, it turns everyone else into these vampire-like creatures, but it does not do that for her. And so this plague ends up kind of wiping out most of society. So then it turns into like an apocalyptic literature. Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like the less you know about it, the better. Except if you're worried about if it's scary or not. (laughs) Then maybe you need to know that it has some vampiric elements.
2: Well, my mistake was I usually... Some books are better just not knowing anything. So I didn't know anything about this one. And then I read it when I was sick at, at your recommendation. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if I'd seen the word vampire, I probably would have passed. That's a word that just says to me, move along. This isn't for you. But also I was reading it while I was like in bed with a real fever. And that was not a good combination. But yeah, I pers- yeah, I think yeah, I made be. it through like 400 to 600 pages before I decided I'm done. That's all, which is why I love that you chose it, that it.
0: Far and then and then had to call it. Quits. That's
2: unusual. You, usually, usually it's way before the halfway point. But I keep hearing that, like so many people say, it's in there. Not just oh favorites for what should I read next, but like favorites of all time list.
0: It's it is a nearly perfect novel, and I don't say that lightly. Even as someone that has read a ton and has a lot of favorite mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. like I, I could not stop thinking about it. Even even as I was getting ready to talk about it today, I was thinking about all of the uh, – not even just the elements of the plot, mm-hmm. but the, the way that it made me think about humanity and the issues that we're facing today and what does this have to say to my life.
2: Oh, yeah. So- oh, it's ambitious and sweeping. You know, it has that feel that – it didn't mm-hmm. feel self-important, but, like, he had big ambitions for that thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay,
2: tell me your second favorite.
0: Uh, the second favorite is – the Alchemist mm-hmm. by Paulo Coelho. Didn't you just read that recently? I read it this past summer. Okay, because um, it was a pick for the Red Couch Book Club that Uh-oh. I'm the editor for, um, for Sheila's magazine. Okay. So that was one of our books, and I had never read it before. That even though it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for ages and ages.
2: Yes, I just read it the very end of last year for the first time. I'd never read mm-hmm. it either.
0: I don't know if I had read it at a different time in my life if I would have loved it as much as I did mm-hmm. but I had just moved from Nashville to San Francisco mm-hmm. so I was on this like big transition huge journey and The Alchemist is all about a journey that this boy goes on in search of treasure and so it's all about intuition and looking for the signs and it just really resonated with me with with where I was at
2: All right. what's your third book your favorite book
0: side is uh This is so book nerdy, uh, but it's called "The Word Exchange" by Alina Graydon. Uh huh. Tell us more. (laughs) It is kind of it's kind of futuristic in that everyone is super reliant on these handheld devices called I, I think they're called memes, and they so it's it's kind of what happens to our cell phones. It, but, like, to the next level, so they can't anticipate when you're getting sick and they call the doctor for you, and then your prescription arrives automatically, so you don't really have to do much because your meme is just like basically an extension of who you are
1: mm-hmm.
0: which you know there could be some positives to that, but the negative of that is that uh, there are hardly any libraries left, no one really reads physical books or books in general um and so the main character's father is working on the last edition of the dictionary and he disappears the night before it's going to be released. And so she and this other, um, a colleague of his um, try to figure out what happened to him. And at the same time, as they're trying to figure out what's happened to him and what's going to happen with the dictionary, um, this word flu pandemic begins and people start losing the ability to speak. Um, And it's, I don't know, it just, it completely captivated me. I, it was, there were so many great puns and then things about language and literature and um, and then also just this social commentary about technology and social media and the way that it can be bad for us, which I think is something that we would be wise to consider
2: mm-hmm.
0: even as I sit with my cell phone a few feet away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, what I noticed about that book, because um, I read it, at the beach this summer after you and like two other people recommended it to me all at the same time so I took heed and I read it I really enjoyed it and then I noticed how low the average rating was on Goodreads it's like the very low threes and I thought yeah and I think it's that kind I mean there's all kinds of different reasons for books to have low or high ratings but Mm -hmm. I think for this one I think the reason is that if that book is for you that book is for you and Lee that Mm -hmm. book is for you and that book is for me Totally, but but if you're like, I don't know, I'm getting on an airplane and I just need something, anything to read, that book is probably not for you. And you're going to give it two stars. Okay. Now, tell me one you hate.
0: Oh, man. So there were two books that came to mind. Let's hear them. Uh, the So the first one is the one I read more recently, but 100 Years of Solitude mm-hmm. by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's and just why such a slog. It was, <laughs> it was painful to me. And I love magical realism Mm -hmm. but i don't i just i don't understand why people love it so much
2: i I read eight pages of that last year i intend to try again
0: yeah but i i I stopped at eight pages i yeah i don't i do have a friend that um was familiar with a lot of the history of the country that it takes place in and so Mm -hmm. she was able to tell me about specific scenes like why he included certain references like that it was actually a commentary on situations going on mm-hmm. during that day. Um, so that was interesting to me, but that didn't make it any more enjoyable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the book that I really hated mm-hmm. last year is The Rosie Effect. Uh-huh. Now, uh, what did
2: you think of The Rosie Project?
0: I loved The Rosie Project. I was really excited to read the sequel to it.
2: Okay. So The Rosie Project, Man with uh, Asperger's. hmm falls in love yes okay so then from there tell us about the Rosie effect
0: so the Rosie effect we find out that Rosie is is pregnant and so it's a lot about how they're preparing to have this baby and um Don is the main character and he I no, it was so contrived I just I couldn't I couldn't believe any of the situations that he got himself into did and- you
2: think the premise sounded good when you found out that they were gonna have a baby, were you like, Oh, that sounds like mm-hmm. a good idea?
0: I think that I know I know a couple people that are married to men who they found out subsequently that these men had Asperger's. And so Don is different in that he is aware not that he doesn't necessarily label himself as being on the autism spectrum, but he's aware that he has some some differences. And so I feel like it would have been good for them to just figure out what is it like to actually be married and to be sharing the same space all the time, which cuz they didn't they weren't like living together that I can remember by the end of the Rosie project. I
2: don't think so. I think you're right.
0: And so I I just feel like they they could have been interesting just to see what that is like and uh-huh. what kind of what kind of uh stress does that cause him to have someone Invading his personal space. And even though he's kind of branched out. And he will like cook different meals on different days. He doesn't have to have like the exact same schedule that he had before. To add a baby into the mix. It just felt like too much too soon. Um, and also I think it. Uh, maybe this was unintentional. But Rosie came across as very selfish. And um, and flighty to me in the sequel.
2: What are you reading right now?
0: Oh Well as usual I'm reading about six different books uh <laughs> like I do uh so I'm reading Island Beneath the Sea by Isabel Allende mm-hmm. I'm reading for a book club mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how I feel about it right now about halfway through and book club is on Thursday so I've gotta gotta figure that out <laughs> um, it's tomorrow it's tomorrow it's tomorrow I gotta yeah I've gotta finish it um and then I'm reading Hammerhead, which is a mm-hmm. memoir about a woman who becomes a carpenter. And my dad's a carpenter, so I'm just really intrigued by, um, by her whole story. And then I'm reading The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, mm-hmm. which is about uh, mass incarceration and, um, and racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been on my to-read list for a long time, so I'm glad to uh, finally be in, in the middle of that one. Uh, phenomenal. I'm underlining
1: mm-hmm.
0: almost all of it. And then The Art of Memoir by Mary Carr, mm-hmm. um, who I got to see. I got to see her speak um, right around the time that the book came out. I'm so jealous. Great. And um, getting a lot out of that one as well. And then let's see. Um, Sacred Pauses mm-hmm. by April Yamasaki, which is just about um, spiritual practices, like everyday spiritual practices, uh, which is pretty great. And then uh, I think the last one would be um, a book on the Enneagram called The Complete Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut. And I was in this Enneagram group um, during the fall for 12 weeks, and this was the book that they recommended. But Mm -hmm. I was reading a different Enneagram book at the
2: time, so I'm finally uh, making my way through it. Lee, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? I've – I have come up
0: with a couple of different goals for this year. Um, I would like to read more spiritual memoirs Mm -hmm. that are not about Christianity.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I uh, would like to read more books by Latino and Latina authors. Um, So that's another one. And then there's like a couple of different topics that I want to read more about. Um, So I'm just kind of keeping keeping an all in the back of my mind
2: as I, as I make my choices from month to month. Okay. Sounds good. I love your choices here. I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear what you think about my picks for you. We'll Me get too. to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I want to hear what you think right after the break. Okay. Welcome back. Lee, you have great stuff to work with, with your picks. Thank you. Okay. Let's see what I can do. So what I'm noticing about these is that there's a quest underlying all these stories They are stories of pursuit. Is that coincidence or do you find yourself drawn to the journey tale right now? I I don't know.
0: That is, I haven't, I hadn't thought about that. Um, And I don't, I don't know that that particular thread is in all of my favorite novels from last year, but definitely in those three. So that's really interesting.
2: Okay. So you're not a one trick pony. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I try not to I need that. I need that. Okay. So with that in mind. Let's see what you think of these. Okay. Book one is Ready Player One by Ernie Klein. Do you Mm -hmm. know anything about this one?
0: Well, I remember when I visited last summer, when I visited you, I think it was last summer, you were reading it and you were just raving about it.
2: (gasps) Then why haven't you read it, Lee? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Honestly, I know why you haven't read it. And I'm hesitant to even describe it to you if you don't already know, because while we're both total nerds, we're not Klein's brand of nerd but we're going to go with it. So it's about a kid, a teenager who's a gamer and he's in the dystopian future, which, you know, Hey, you got something there with your dystopian novels. Um, and he's on a quest of his own and he has lots of fellow travelers. I guess he's not on his own. Um, He's in a fierce competition to win a ton of money. It's a computerized scavenger hunt in which his success depends upon his video game skills and his knowledge of obscure 80s pop culture references. So we're talking like his ability to recite every line of dialogue from the John Hughes movie War Games. So this book, um, like Will works at a software company that gets one of those like software geek box subscription things like ready player one came in the box because really that's the target market Uh so I didn't think it was for me and if you saw it you wouldn't think it was for you but a friend recommended it who was also well outside the target market of geeks and gamers and I trusted her and I started reading it and I found that it totally didn't matter that I haven't played a video game since I was 10 and it was super (laughs) mario and it doesn't matter that I've never seen war games like it's just a really good story It's got that futuristic dystopian thing you like. It's got really great narrative drive, likable characters, and it's surprisingly insightful about things like social media. Because Hmm. 30 years from now, when the world falls apart, Ernie Klein thinks, or for the sake of the story, he thinks that we're all um, going to be spending our time in an online alternate reality called the Oasis, which sounds a lot actually like the memes from the word exchange. Does that sound like something you might try if somebody shoved it into your hands at the right moment
0: <laughs> i i mean i I definitely trust your recommendations, so I figured when you raved about it that maybe at some point it would I would finally read it, but
2: maybe at some I don't point know. you're gonna get a box on your doorstep <laughs> okay. Book two is more like what you are already reading. This is Still Life by Louise Penny. Have you ever read anything by her? No. Okay. She's written a lot of novels by now. She's on – number 12 comes out this August, and I can't wait. Um, They're all in the same series. And this this, –
0: That Inspector – Yes, this is Inspector
2: Gamache. And I heard about these books for forever, and I have come to realize that if you tell me to read a series based on somebody's name when I don't know that person, that I just don't – I'm not going to pick it up. Okay. But – But I should, because eventually when I'm talked into it, I'm glad. So this journey is into the Canadian forest and also into the human heart. Does that sound, does that sound too lofty? Um, (laughs) She says that her murder mysteries are just really an excuse to like probe the human condition and examine people's motives and feelings and why they do what they do. So the plots are set up for that. And... You are actually the one who talked me into finally reading the Robert Galbraith Mysteries by the author we know and love as J.K. Rowling. And I'm so glad I finally read those. Like, I love them. I don't know why I thought I wouldn't. But as I was reading, I it never occurred to me to make comparisons to Harry Potter, but they reminded me so strongly of um, the Louise Penny novels here. Hmm. And so they weren't one of your favorites today, but... But it does make me think that they'll be in your real house. So the writing style is very similar. Uh, They're strong prose. They're very psychologically acute. And the series itself is structured along the same lines as that Cormoran Strike series. Like there's a new mystery at the heart of every novel, but you follow the same detectives and their relationships through the series. And this is a little different from Galbraith series, but you also follow the same townspeople. So a lot of the characters never change. And so you see their story arcs over the series too. Okay. Book three. This is the one I'm most excited about for you. Mm -hmm. This is Tell Me Three Things by Julie Buxbaum. Have you heard of it or her? No, I have not. This is her first novel that is explicitly intended for a YA audience. I cannot wait for you to read this. It is so perfect for you. Um, It does a lot with the journey plot. There is a journey through grief. It's a journey of place. And, Lee, this is crazy. So I just realized that the plot is set in motion when this young girl named Jessie, her mom dies before the action starts. Then her dad uh, meets somebody in an online grief support group, falls in love, and moves the family to California. Whoa. She moves from Chicago to California, Lee, oh my just like you. <laughs> and it's also a quest to unravel a mystery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what happens. So Jessie moves to California with her dad. And she moves in with her new stepmom and stepbrother. And nobody, she just, she doesn't belong. She's totally out of place. And she goes to this fancy pants school that her rich stepmother's paying for. And she's completely out of place. So... Then after her first week at that private school, it's awful, she gets an email from somebody nobody who claims to be a male student in the school, and he offers to be her virtual spirit guide to help her navigate what's basically like mean girls. She's in the Lindsay Lohan movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's like, no, that's creepy and weirdly be alone. But <laughs> then she has a really bad week I would at have been like, Sure. that's right because you've read enough ya novels to know that you always say yes
0: yes because they're not
2: creeps well
0: at least not the ya novels that i read (laughs) no no no
2: that's true there's that whole genre that i i don't read those either but they're probably your soulmate if you're reading this kind of book so So that sets the plot in notion. Have you ever read anything by Jennifer Smith, the YA author? Yes, I have. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this reminded me a lot of her tone and specifically her book, This Is What Happy Looks Like, which is totally implausible. Like, male, teenage, heartthrob, film star, falls in love with small town girl because of a misdirected email. Right. But it's still a really good book. Like, Jennifer Smith makes it work. She's a good writer. And that's how I felt about Julie Buxbaum. So there's just, there's one little problem with this one. Okay. and that is that it doesn't come out till april 5th oh, but it's going to be jerk. worth your wait <laughs> it's going to be worth it you can figure okay. it now you can get on that library list mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it's going to be worth the wait or you could send me your advance copy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just say it
2: i won't reveal my <laughs> sources okay so lee what do you think you will read next
0: Uh, well, since the YA novel is not available for a few more months, which is probably the one that I would just immediately go for, um, I will, I will finally read some Louise Penny.
2: You may find a way to smuggle Ready Player One onto your desk. (laughs) That feels like a stretch, but I think you're going to like it.
0: I, I think that I will too. And I have, I will say I have read more, not complete sci-fi, but I have read more in that direction. And so I think I'm more open to it than I realize
2: and sometimes I have the hardest time talking myself into reading books that I... Now, this isn't about you. This isn't like passive aggressive or anything. <laughs> but sometimes I have the hardest time talking myself into reading books that I suspect I'll love, but just I don't like the cover or I don't like the title or, mm-hmm. you know, the plot it's seems different. a little weird. Yeah. And I, I know like better that. by now, but yeah. that doesn't mean it changes what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I read it and I love it and I feel like an idiot and that I do it again later, even though I should have learned...
0: Well, but the problem with with being a book nerd is that you never run out of options to read, and so it's more about prioritizing. That's where I feel like I need to I need to figure out how to prioritize what I want to read. Instead that of is just hard kind work. Of letting My whims lead me because they they're usually pretty on target. But I think it also, as I've learned the last year, of being more intentional in what I read, of actually making a list, like using your reading challenge, and then coming up with some other categories of my own to get to get me to read some of the things that would linger on my to read list that I know that I want to read mm-hmm. but maybe just aren't as in my face um, or as obvious of, as other choices are although 100 years of solitude was on my list for last year and that was that was not worth it
2: but you are no longer wondering and you're I'm no, no longer long wishing true. you were going to read it true. one day <laughs> yeah you put a check mark next to that thing Yes. Exactly. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks so much for talking books with me. I will definitely keep you posted. That sounds good. Please do. Hey, everyone. I love chatting with Lee about the highs and lows of bookworm life, and I can't wait to find out what she reads next. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Remember, you can connect more with Lee at her blog, leekramer.com. She's also on Twitter as at hopeful Lee and on Instagram at Lee Kramer. Links to her accounts will be in show notes so you can easily track her down. Before we go, don't forget, go to what should I read next slash iTunes and make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B as in books, O G E L. Okay, that's it for this episode of What Should I Read Next? As Rainer Maria Rilke says, Ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.
1: Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton. The voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.